0: Good evening. evening. Lord's blessings to all of you. We turn now to our psalm on Psalm 73, and we begin on uh, verse 23. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you'll receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. Our Old Testament lesson uh, for today is from Proverbs, the 11th chapter. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give, and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Whoever diligently seeks good seeks favor, but evil comes to him who searches for it. Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Tonight especially, I think that you'll notice that verse 26, the people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it," uh, is, the, is, the, is very much the difference between Judas in our story and Mary. You can hold on to that in your heads uh, as we continue through our service. O oh, Lord, have mercy on us. A reading from 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. A reading from St. John, the 12th chapter. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from Jesus Christ his Son, our Lord. Amen. Throughout our Lenten series, uh, these these five midweeks of Lent, we are going to be looking at the witnesses of Christ's passion from the Gospel of John. And today we are looking at Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. It says in Matthew chapter 26:13 and Mark 14:9 which would be parallel accounts of this story. It says this in those gospels, wherever wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And, and in fact, Mary is the this Mary is the only person who's ever talked about in this way her her gift so great, so exorbitant, so extraordinary. Uh, and in so much love. Uh, No one's ever talked about like this. Maybe this is an important story, an important person. Uh, It teaches us something wonderful about Mary, but also something wonderful about Jesus. Perhaps we should know more. The story for tonight actually begins in John 11. Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, who is, by the way, alive in 12, dies in chapter 11, uh, he's been in the tomb for four days, Jesus waits, and uh, since we're talking about perfume, since uh, we're in that mode, uh, he's dead for four days, and Mary and Martha are concerned that he will stink when they open the tomb door, uh, so they don't want him to, but he says, you know, don't you know that I, you will see the resurrection, so he shouts, Lazarus come out, and Lazarus comes. Stumbling out of his tomb, alive, with his shroud around him like some sort of cocoon. As for the Jewish leaders, this was the last straw. By raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus moves from the category of manageable nuisance to serious threat. Right. So uh, it says in the Scripture, John 11:53. 53, So from that day on they made plans to put him to death. Christ's days are numbered. As we come to John 12, our lesson for tonight, Jesus has a price on his head and we find out so does Lazarus. The chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. John 12, 10-11. We must destroy Jesus and we must destroy all the evidence. That means we must also destroy Lazarus. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. John 12.3, from our reading tonight. How much did the ointment cost? We're told in John 12.5 that it's worth a whole year's income. Now, we've learned before that a denarii was about a day's wage, and this nard is worth 300 denarii, so about 365 days in a year. It's about a year's wage uh, that Mary is walking into the room, cracking it open and dropping it all at once. Can you imagine doing that, uh, coming in and giving an entire year's wage in the offering plate or to a charity or in service of some way? Uh, What is exactly going on here? Why, Why such an extraordinary gift? Well, Mary is preparing the body of Jesus for burial. She is extravagant and gives from the depth of her treasure because Jesus will only be here like this with them once. We see the opposite side of the spectrum in Judas. While Mary gives from the heart, shows love and honor, uh, Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was about to betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii given to the poor? Now that's a kind of a self-serving statement because if they give it to the poor, what Judas really means is, why wasn't this sold and the money put in the purse that's for the poor that I have access to that I can spend or steal from whenever I want? That's what Judas is really saying, but it's kind of three between the lines. Um, He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas is, is threatened. His entire world is coming crashing down. Many desires to give, but all Judas can do is get. Get more, get ahead, and get on top. And as we know, it's going to kill him. Despite all Judas's complaints, Jesus says, Leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. What Christ means is that she's done a good thing. There's no need to critique her about it or to maybe gather up what's left and try to sell it. What he means is leave her alone, let her do what she's doing, she knows what she's doing, and then he says, it's for my burial. Uh, Mary understands, you see, this situation. She knows what's happening. By the way, this this moment would have been the Saturday before Palm Sunday. right? So after Palm Sunday, things are going to start moving very quickly. So Mary is pretty, probably fairly aware of what's going on. John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 2.13, Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. John 3.14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Jesus hasn't really made it a secret. He's told them what's going to happen. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He taught them and preached to them the gospel out of sincere love and thankfulness. Mary gives Jesus everything she has. In doing so, she prepares Jesus to give everything that he has. And the room is filled with costly perfume. A few weeks ago in Bible study, we took a look at our senses and how Christ heals them. One we looked at, was the sense of smell. It's completely unique, unlike all the others, because the sense of smell is basically hotwired by your nerves directly into the brain, the part of your brain that deals with memory. That's why smells so easily evoke memories. Uh, and it's one of the reasons that I would really like to incorporate smells into worship more, but it's, it's not easy to do. There's not a lot of appropriate ways to do that. You know, um, tonight I have lit a candle that has owl and myrrh in it. Um, and hopefully, I lit it early. Hopefully you can kind of smell it a little bit. Uh, although I was told by the bells that all they can smell up there is garlic toast. So what are you going to do? So uh, owl and myrrh would have been very close to, what would have been what Jesus was prepared in for his burial. Right? Right? Uh, so it would have been what Jesus smelled like when he was placed in the tomb. And it probably was what, it's, what he smelled like when he rose from the dead. Jesus is anointed the Saturday before Palm Sunday. The ointment would have nard and then probably some sort of oil, most likely olive oil, which the oil then would have helped it stick to Christ's ankles, his feet, his skin, Uh, The nard and oil would have lingered on Jesus days afterward. Mary's strong perfume lingers with Jesus throughout the Holy Week as he makes his way to the cross. Even on Good Friday, perhaps the fragrance of Mary's perfume still lingers. And then, perhaps just then, when Jesus gives of himself completely all of his love and mercy and grace, holding nothing back for each of us, he might have smelled that sweet smell, that sweet fragrance, and it would evoke that memory of Mary giving love so extravagantly to Jesus. Mary gave all she could while she could. It's a beautiful thing done for a man who knew no home, had no family of his own, and enjoyed no real respect from the people that should have loved him. Think about it, it's probably one of the nicest gifts he gets other than when he was born. Wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. What does this mean? I am keenly aware of how hard uh, finances are for everybody right now. Uh, We are doing our best not to drive much right now. Feeding six kids is interesting as well. But the kingdom of God isn't about hoarding, stockpiling, And it certainly is not about fear. Fearing whether the Lord will take care of us. This is what Mary does. She gives away a year's wages without any fears that the Lord is going to take care of her. We have received so much from Christ, so much from our Father in Heaven. Mary is a beautiful example of how we should view our talents, our time, and our treasure as a gift to God. And his people, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I don't mean this necessarily to be a stewardship sermon, but it's a beautiful image of someone who loved the Lord and trusted in Him. And I want for you to continue to trust in Him, even though we are going through very strange and difficult times when it comes to our finances and our economics. I hope you don't lose trust in the Lord. Who will take care of you? Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, shows us that the kingdom of God is about giving lavishly, giving generously, giving joyfully, and giving completely. She learned from her Savior, the Lord Jesus, who gave more than a year's wages. He gave up his hands and feet, his brow and back. He took punishment and pain that you and I deserve. He held nothing back so that we could live and hold nothing back. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God's peace to all of you this night. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I love you all very much. There's not a thing you do about it. The Lord's blessings.